Hello and welcome to Frank Friar Friday. This is Father Patrick Bykowskis, broadcasting from St. Dominic Priory in St. Louis, Missouri. I think this is episode 30. And I'm going to begin with this little prayer for gentleness. Dear Lord, please teach us to be gentle. Remind us of the many ways you have shown gentleness to us. When we respond to others, help us see how you love them and died for them as well. Help us to be mindful of those times when we descend into hurtful speech or mockery. Show us how to stand up for what is right without abandoning gentleness and respect. Teach us to speak the truth in love. Let our gentleness be evident, a clear sign that you are at work in our lives. Amen. Nice prayer, I think, for any day. You know, I, I don't typically listen to previous episodes, but I was trying to recall everything I said last time because I wanted to pick up there and make sure I'm not duplicating anything. And I had a lovely dinner last Friday with one of the permanent deacons at the uh, Catholic Student Center at Washington University, Phil Hengen, and his wife, Mary, last Friday. And Mary, I, I really, I don't know Mary very well now, I feel like I do, but she's been a devoted listener to my podcasts. And I <laughs> jokingly only half so said, golly, she probably knows more about me than my mother did, because there's a lot of things on here I'm not sure my mother was aware of. But one of the things that they asked about, they said, now you're not going back to St. Tom's, are you, after your time with us? And I said, well, no, I don't think so. But I, you know, in listening to my, my last podcast, I can understand why they say that, because I, I speak about St. Tom's in the present tense. I keep saying us and we, and I think that it could give the impression that, in fact, I'm still at St. Tom's when, of course, I am not. And so I think I, I have to be careful about how I, I adjust my conversations about St. Tom's. I certainly miss it very much, and it's hard to disengage in that way that uh, I'm used to speaking about uh, St. Tom's. And so I am at Washington University. I'm going to be there for a while. I, I, I don't think there's any end date that we've talked about. The um, other thing that happened this week, aside from, of course, Carlos Rodon got an almost perfect game at the against the Cleveland Indians. Pitcher for the White Sox almost got that perfect game. He did get a, a, a no-hitter. So that's a big deal for me <laughs> as a White Sox fan. But even better than that was Bob and uh, Mary Margaret Foreman stopped by on their way to see uh, children in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. So they made a big detour south to visit, and we had uh, just a wonderful time together. It was great to see them. I'm glad people are starting to venture out. We are, we are all vaccinated. And uh, I am also going to be in West Lafayette tomorrow for the funeral of Janice Lauer Rice, which I had mentioned in last week's episode, so maybe I'll get to catch up with some of you then. When I was thinking about the topics, oh, and thank you to those who have 
I sent some, made some suggestions. I'm still getting them and some really wonderful suggestions. I think we'll be uh, sort of switching modes in a couple of weeks, as I said last week as well, to some topical conversations and some interviews that I think will be of interest to you. I've also been asked to talk about the um, opportunities that we had for pilgrimage. And I was going to include mission trips in there as well because I think that there's a, a lot of good tie-ins there. When I got to St. Tom's, we were down to one mission trip, and I, I know I did talk about that a little bit when I was um, talking about some of the programs at St. Tom's that we were able to put together and, and that, that very first trip that we had to New Orleans and how you know, wonderfully it came together. And of course, we expanded to uh, many other opportunities, both in our, our country, places like the Mississippi Delta and Clearwater, Oklahoma. And um, of course, uh, we're still going to New Orleans and Pensacola, Florida and Cuba, now Puerto Rico. And of course, this wonderful ministry that we have had to Haiti. I remembered a story about one of my trips to Haiti. This was probably about six or seven years ago. We had not begun our ministry to the children in Titayan at that time. And we were in Bodan, and I don't ex remember exactly what we were doing. And as I mentioned previously, we don't do things when we go to Haiti, especially, that takes jobs from Haitians. So we I think maybe we were doing some sort of health survey. But we were visiting a, a, a great many houses in the village. And we always ask the students if they have any health issues. And I think they sort of worry about whether or not they're, if they have a health issue, it's, if it's going to, to um, disqualify them for the trip. And I don't think it would unless there was something really serious. But if you have asthma, you don't want to be in Haiti in, in the winter because it can be very dry and dusty. And then we go up into the mountains and the, the combination of those things are not conducive to somebody that has asthma. And we did have a one of our students, and I won't mention her name, who had, had asthma, and she was having a very difficult time, and we were almost back to the village. And I decided that I was just going to leave her uh, at the road, and we were going to, I saw a house about maybe 100 yards up this little hill, and it would be our last stop before we got to the village. So I told her, I said, now just stay here, and I, I told a couple of the children to stay with her. And we'll just take 15 or 20 minutes to visit this house and do whatever we had to do, and I'll come back. And I didn't want her going up the, the, the hill to exert herself. And halfway up the hill, I'm thinking, what on earth was I thinking? I've left this girl all by herself with a couple of the children, and they're just children. I mean, I, they were very responsible, but still they were children. I thought, oh my goodness. There's all sorts of things that was going through my mind. That was my imagination was going crazy, and uh, so I I decided to to 
to turn around and go back down to forget about this house. We didn't need to, to visit them. It wasn't that important. And of course I go down and she's gone. And I go into a panic. And there was other students, Purdue students with me. And I said, didn't I tell her to stay right here? And they said, yeah, Father, but I'm sure she's around. I said, I'm not as confident. She could have been kidnapped, <laughs> any sort of thing. And really, my imagination was getting the better of me. But I, who knows in, in these situations? I knew Haiti pretty well, but I also knew that there's things that could happen, of course. So I started praying to St. Anthony. I have a great devotion to St. Anthony, if you didn't know that. And so I told the students to stay there and I was going to go uh, look for her and I didn't have to go very far at all I went around the corner of a building and she was very sensibly sitting in the shade where I had told her to stay was in the sun and it was hot but the thing that that really astounded me and I took a picture of it in case people didn't believe me was that the building she was sitting in front of, in the shade, in letters that were about two feet tall, in French, of course, it said, St. Anthony. And I said, wow, St. Anthony, thank you so much for coming through for us on this trip. You know, when I um, started doing pilgrimages, uh, there was always that kind of mother hen part of it to me as well. Mary Margaret Foreman was kind of joking about uh, my travels when we were having dinner the other night. And yes, I've had great opportunities to, to travel, and I'm, I feel very blessed. But I, I do want to, to reiterate, if I haven't done that before, that I don't consider uh, mission trips and pilgrimages a vacation, even though they are lovely experiences. But the mother hen in me doesn't allow me to fully enter into the trip without my worrying about losing people. Now, on pilgrimages, when we had, uh, well, of course, I, even when we're on mission trips, they're all adults, but the younger people d don't think about things sometimes as, as like I would like them to, and they'll sort of wander off. And places like Haiti and, and Cuba, uh, even Puerto Rico, we don't have cell phone coverage, and then, and then they can get separated, and then I, and I kind of go in this panic mode again. But even with older people, we have lost, uh, not lost them, maybe just temporarily lost them. We had a situation in Rome where someone got separated from the group, and I was a bit worried, but then St. Anthony came through again. But I, I do feel that all of these occasions, whether they're mission trips or pilgrimages, have been very blessed opportunities for me, and I certainly hope that that's been the case with our missionaries and our pilgrims. I, I went to Italy with a dear friend of mine, Neil Ruckman, a, a college friend. He had wanted to go to Italy with um, me and his his uh, uh, girlfriend at the time and wanted me to kind of be a guide. So I went, and we had a lovely time, and I did things I would never be able to do because of the generosity of Neil. But when I came back from that trip, uh, several of the parishioners at St. Tom's asked, well, Father, why don't you take us on a pilgrimage to Italy? And I said, well, do you think anybody would really want to go with me? And they said, of course they would. And I was a little dubious about that. And 
Sure enough, I, I sent out a flock note and I asked people if they had an interest in going to, to Italy. And I think I got like 60 affirmative responses. And I was stunned. So we began planning a trip almost immediately. And I, I can't remember the first year that we went. So I ended up going to Italy three times. And, you know, pilgrimages are really a very special kind of trip. It's not a vacation. It's when we have the opportunity to, to kind of let loose of the things that we have. That's why maybe I am trying to be a mother hand too, because I don't want people to worry about anything. I want I want to take out that responsibility. I want them to be able to enter into these moments, these these holy moments, really, and to they get to meet new people. Um, you don't have to be holy to be on a pilgrimage, but hopefully you come away from it um, a little holier as a result. And we come to these these places, and we hear stories, and it helps us to allow our faith to recognize that our faith exists in, in time and place. And it's a way that, that we encounter God. And it helps us to hear the gospel readings or the stories about our faith through, through being there and stories about our faith that we are then going to encounter in ways that are going to shape us and form us. Uh, I think that that um, pilgrims are, pilgrimages are uh, you know sort of a religious devotion. It's an expression of our faith. It's opportunities for prayer and reflection, and hopefully, some of that is going to come through in the joy that we experience in doing those things together, the connections that we make. And I've clearly seen in all of the pilgrimages, so I had three to, to Italy and one to the Holy Land. And uh, the Holy Land trip was the largest. It was included people from uh, the, the Italy pilgrimages and uh, uh, people that are uh, active at St. Tom's and friends of those people. I think we had over 30 people that went on that that trip to Jerusalem. And the strangers become family. And in all of those uh, occasions, we have had uh, reunion uh, events, reunion dinners that have kept us together as a family, as people who went on pilgrimage to experience these holy places and left with a very special connection. I remember, uh, some of you know Jim Andrew, and he and Laura, I'm not going to start mentioning names because I'm, I'll, I'll forget somebody, but you know, there was, there was one very, very special moment that I remembered when we were in Rome. So that first trip we went to uh, Florence, and then uh, Naples, and then Rome. We stopped very briefly in Assisi on the way to Naples. And so Rome is where we ended up. And of course, we went to 
to Mass, or the, not Mass, it's the Wednesday audience of the Holy Father, and we got to see Pope Francis. And Jim Andrew is um, about the most Catholic non-Catholic that I know. Uh, he's very faithful to to Mass, and of course he's raised all of his children as Catholics, and it's a, a beautiful family. Uh, but Jim was there for the the audience of the Pope, and I know he took a picture of it. Of course, he's you know he's uh, Scottish, and there was just before Mass started a Saint Andrew cross in the clouds above us, and it was one of those moments when you really get the sense that God is present there and God is wanting us to to pay attention to that reality that exists for us in every moment of our life that God is is there and present to us. We don't always... Uh, pay attention to that. And I think pilgrimages are ways that we do that. And then, of course, hopefully, in visiting these these holy places, that they enliven for us our, our, our faith. We, we uh, listen to people and we listen to stories. And I think this, the stories that are part of these pilgrimages, and, and, not, and not just in in um, um, the Holy Land, but in in the in the, the places that we went to in 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 Italy, the 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 way that our faith has impacted uh, the 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 lives of saints, and we go to these holy places to to have a kind of first person encounter. But certainly, the I think that the Traveling to the to the Holy Land and, and, and is an especially powerful experience when you, for me, that was my first time as well, and I I love being able to tell stories about the places I love. So I've been to Italy many times, and I'm able to share those stories. But then, to hear the stories of the of the people that are our guides in the the places that we visited in Italy, but then also, of course, in the Holy Land to visit all these places where you know uh, Jesus walked in the same places. And it was especially powerful to me when we were on the Sea of Galilee. I think it was absolutely my favorite stop. As, as, as extraordinary as were all the other places, there was one point we were on this, this boat on the Sea of Galilee, and I looked out at the hills, which have, have not been... The, the the Golan Heights, which have not been developed from where we can view them on the on the Sea of Galilee, it was a a a, a day when the, the the sky was just brilliant blue, and you look out on those hills, and you're sitting in this boat, and it's quiet, and you know that Jesus Christ saw exactly the things that you were seeing those hills and maybe in exactly the same place. And that was an early stop for us, and that sort of 
repeated itself in, in other places as well. And hopefully you take away from those pilgrimages the stories that we hear and when we hear the, the, the scripture readings, they come to life in us in another way, in a new way. But of course, a pilgrimage can be wherever we are. It, it doesn't, we don't have to go to a, to a foreign country if we can look to see where God is present in our life every day then that can be a holy place for us. So, God bless you. Have a wonderful week as we continue in this Easter season to be able to enter into it in a way that helps us to appreciate God in all the moments of our lives. God bless you. <music>